Have your sports curiosity cured. Three unanswered goals here in the second period. And it's 4-1. I'm in front. And Edmonton is right back in the game. Fogel second. 4-2. A veteran of the sports reporting game for over 25 years. Nylander along. What murder in front. And he was looking for 34 again. Back it comes to Lilligren. Matthews shoots, scores! Number 50 for Austin Matthews in his backyard. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Dabrowski is 13th of the year right now. If this score holds, that'd be the game winner. Here's a shot, Steve. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. Here we go for Seoul 118, February 23rd. Even Steven out there heading into the Sports 1440 studios. Zero degrees. Look, at, you can't believe this. A high of plus 10 today? That's got to be That's got to be a record. If it's not a record, it's above average. And the weekend is smooth sailing as well. A little nippy coming on Sunday night, but uh, looking very, very good for the weekend. And, hey, you know, the weekend is here. So let's uh, click in a schnell. Tear up the old pee patch and make a fast break to the 11 o'clock hour. Welcome to the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 on your AM dial heading into work, on your drive into work, and of course streaming on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app on sports1440.ca. And if you miss any part of the show, you can catch up by searching the Kevin Carey Show. And man, there's a ton of options here. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. And be sure to subscribe, select the old auto download, and you will never miss a second of the big program. It's Friday. That means we welcome in our Friday co-host to the program, Eddie Steele. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning, KK. How you doing this oh, fine morning? I mean, you can't beat the weather, man. Oh, you can't like until above. you look at what's coming down the pipe. Ah, you know, we, we're all, we're almost into March. We're okay. Yeah, we're good. A little minus 15 on Monday ain't nothing. I mean, uh, good for the ODRs. Yes. Uh, well, I was actually, I was walking in Laurier Heights yesterday and the rink was closed. It'll be closed again today. I went last night. At where? Uh, Cameron Heights. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have been out there. It's pretty it's, choppy. The yeah. kid, great for the kids. They could glide, but old Papa Bear was getting, <laughs> getting stuck. <laughs> well, well, when you got a gun the size of you, Eddie, there, and <laughs> if you missed, in case you missed it, uh, Eddie Steele sent out a, a little picture on the old Twixt. Um, Armando Sewell stopped by. It was at your house, yeah. yeah stopped by yeah, your yeah. house. So former teammate Armando Sewell stops by with the Great Cup, of course, yeah. Montreal Alouettes. By the way, before we get to that, just because it just hit my Lawal uh, Uguac will have the Great Cup, and with Harry Ainley and all the kids can come out to Ainley and stuff nice. today. So Armando brings the cool. Great Cup to the house, and you send out the picture, and you got your your right gun. Your right gun flexed. Did you do about 50 curls with, you know, the 100 pounds weight before that? No, that's, that's you do? own natural. Hey, come on, that's, man. I just that, show up. I just show up. <laughs> you had the you had the uh, the tank top on. The big right gun was out. 
Uh, it's bigger. It was bigger than the trophy. That's that's the chilling clothes at yeah. home. You can relate. It was bigger than the trophy, and uh, it was pretty cool for the kids to see. Yeah. Even Stephanie, my mm-hmm. wife, she had never got to see the trophy because, man, get this. So when we won it in 2015, yeah. I was living in Winnipeg at the time in the off season, and the, typically they want you to pay for the Grey Cup. Uh, to get it on your hometown visit. So they wanted, the reason Amondo had it out here is because Jason Moss and Noel Thorpe live out here. Okay. So they got the cup out here already for those two high, high primary customers, the head mm. coach. But for me, they said I had to pay for the flight to get it to Winnipeg what? and pay for the flight to get it back to Edmonton. Oh. I'm out of my own pocket. That's the CFL for you. Oh, so I didn't even get the great the cr- cup. I didn't even get the great cup when we won it. That's the craziest story I've ever heard. It's real. Too. I mean, when you think about real. what they do with the Stanley Cup all over the world, yeah, that's how didn't you even promote get it, your man. game. Didn't even get it. Didn't you think about this? Oh, I wanted my. to show this thing off. Of course, high school, college, yes. it's a huge thing for kids, and uh, didn't even get the chance to hold it in Winnipeg. I can't believe that story. Yeah, I on, and is that continued on now? I well, I mean, Mondo said he didn't have to pay for it again because yeah. Jason Moss, head coach, is out here. Noel Thorpe, DC, lives out that here. That has so to be. Fixed it's pretty easy. In but, a hurry, yeah. I understand the amount of money that the CFL has compared to the NHL. I get all that, but when the Stanley Cup goes around on the tour for the two months after it's won, you know, in June, yep, that's a big deal for so many kids that see that thing. Yep. And you saw that, like, again, you mentioned your kids getting a chance. They're drinking out of the cup, right? Yeah. What'd you put in there? Ah, just water. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I gave that thing gave that thing a good cleaning, too. Oh, I bet. Oh, I, gave it, I know what goes on there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there. Even, you know, you think about, uh, I think there was a, a diaper change in the Stanley Cup years ago. Yeah. Like a long time ago. But now it's different with the Stanley Cup where there's a, a, a you know, the keeper of the cup. Um, I wonder if the Stanley is the true cup because I know the Grey no. Cup is a replica. Yeah, it's all re- the the main cup the is main in the, in the, in the, the hockey hall. hall of fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah same with CFL. And uh, yeah, the, and I mean, the it's a lot different because I mean, for what the Grey Cup, the rings like the names come off. It's different than the than Stanley Cup because the rings come off off the top. So if you're in like, I don't even know what it is now, 1940, 50, those rings are done and they go into yeah. the Hall of Fame. And then because you want to keep the most current. Exactly. So yeah. pretty cool. I still can't believe the story about. It's a real story too. I wish I was making it up because I, uh, I have a lot of connections, right? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. And I was really excited to have a big day. And there was two of us. It was me and Donnie O. He was yeah. another D lineman from Winnipeg. And, wow. you know, we could have parlayed it, but we were both too cheap. Well, that's a bit of a downer on Feel Good Friday. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, not really. It is Feel Good Friday. Playlist Friday. If you've got uh, a text uh, that you want to send in, one 833 Feel Good Friday. Or if you want to request a song. Uh, for our intros that we go to break and come out of break, things like that, uh, send it our way, one 833 The Oilers in action tonight. It's a back-to-back. The Oilers are home to the Minnesota Wild tonight at Rogers Place. And then it's Calgary tomorrow. And all of a sudden, Calgary, with a big win last night, just still sniffing around, hanging around, 3-2 in overtime. Calgary beats Boston. So the Bruins go back-to-back overtimes. They're here Win in overtime against the Oilers on uh, Wednesday night and then Thursday night in Calgary. Lose to the Flames in overtime. It was a crazy overtime if you had a chance to watch it last night. They were going back and forth, back and forth, and finally Nazem Kadri with the game-winning goal. Also last night, holy smokes, the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
I, I would love to get all our textures in. If we talk about the least for a minute here, people are going to go bananas. <laughs> well, are you allowed? Well, yesterday it didn't go over so well when uh, Frank Saravalli came on. We talked about Austin Matthews for five minutes and people were a little Fed upset. Up. Yeah. Uh, you got to respect it. 52 goals. Got to 52, yeah. It. One more last night. 7-3 over Vegas. So that does the owners a little bit of help. And also uh, Nashville beat LA 4-1. Helps the owners in the standings a little bit. But again, you're not necessarily looking behind you. You're trying to look forward. And the Nucks. And, and Vancouver now, four, four, straight? four losses in a row for Vancouver. Canucks lose 5-2 in Seattle last night. So it's a long season. Every team has ebbs and flows. There isn't a team that doesn't go on a bit of a heater. And, and I'm not talking 16 games, but there isn't a team that goes on. Like Anaheim, Duke. Anaheim went on a bit of a heater at the start of the year. And then every team will go on a bit of a lull. It's just the way it is. I caught it, uh, some scores as I was coming mm-hmm. in this morning, and uh, we don't hear about it because we're on the West, but New York Rangers on the East Coast, nine straight wins. Yep. I wouldn't have even known. Nine straight wins. They beat the Devils 5-1. New Jersey, I think, two for 42 on the power play in the last 42 opportunities. That's Gee. You can't win. Nope. Um, I wanted to ask you, Eddie, Kevin Carey, Eddie Steele, Sports 1440, about... Teams galvanizing at times. And with the Leafs, everyone has talked about the Morgan Riley and Ridley Gregg incident. Riley suspended five games. The Leafs win every one of them. Every one of them without their best defenseman. Sometimes things can galvanize a team. And I want to throw this back at you, and it's before your time, obviously. But I remember in 2003, the Edmonton Eskimos then... And the Calgary Stampeders, Ed Hervey, Davis Sanchez. Ed Gal- and, and it happened, you know, the Labor Day, before Labor Day, well, on Labor Day, and then the return here. Mm-hmm. The, the helmets swinging and the ejections and the fans were bananas and sold out Commonwealth on the return. But that galvanized that team, that galvanized the Green and Gold to win the, go on and win the Grey Cup. So there was an instance between the Leafs and I think Bruins earlier this year. Brad Marchand hit, I think it was Timmy, Timothy Lilligren. There wasn't a response. Morgan Riley has this response and all of a sudden the team galvanizes. Mm. Can you explain how that works inside a locker room and moving forward kind of thing? Absolutely. And in the Leafs case, especially, you know, with the success without him and that word you're using, it's just, it pulls the group together knowing that you don't have A, a leader, B, one of your best players. Everybody has to step up that much more. Uh, I can remember a time, actually it was 2015 when we won the Great Cup. Mike Riley, our leader, our face of the mm-hmm. franchise quarterback, he got hurt. He busted up his knee early in that season. And it wasn't a dirty hit or anything, but it was a moment where you have to rally as uh, brothers mm-hmm. and you have to pick up the team, especially the leaders, on the team, you have to step up that much more. And uh, when you don't have the face of your franchise, James Franklin came in and did a good job. But the defense had to play better because we knew it wasn't going to be 400 yards passing to a Darius Bowman anymore. We knew we had to tighten ourselves up on our end to allow our team to be competitive in games. Mm-hmm. So when you when you face that ty- those types of situations, uh, and it can be cheap shots, which really typically does galvanize a team, you know, something like that the the situation with Morgan Riley wasn't a cheap shot or anything but just different situations where you bring the troops and you really rally the troops together and what we saw with Riley it's very interesting because I I heard it uh, a stat yesterday I don't know if it was on your show uh, one of your guests uh, but I heard it throughout the morning I had a big drive yesterday and um, 
the Leafs, even last year without Morgan Riley, had quite a bit of success. Going back even before, I think they're, it's like 19 and 2, something yes, like that. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, a stat like something that. Something like that, yeah. So, so then that you got to start looking at it too from mm-hmm. the other side of it too. What, oh, what is that? Is there I, I something to that? I, I don't know. The Duke, the Duke rolled over. He was just fired up. The Duke was in uh, Daysland last night with the Critters. Oh. The CFCW Critters, another big game for the Critters. Dukey Duke, how you doing this morning, man? <laughs> he's like, he said, he came in and he's like, oh, this is going to be the, well, we got a big night tomorrow. We'll talk about that. Then Duke's got another one Sunday. I go, Duke, this is going to be a, a tough test for you this weekend. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, a long, long weekend for your boy. Yeah, last night, Daysland, a great turnout for uh, for the final Critters game of the season as they wrap up their 30th anniversary year. Uh, they raised about f- over 14 grand for the uh, local yeah. school lunch program and everything, so that was uh, that was top shelf. Uh, I got on the score sheet. What? Uh, finally got my, uh, I broke my little slump I was in, got a tuck. Off my own rebound. Oh, God. Ah, Were you playing forward you or D? I always play forward. Yeah. So I have no idea what I'm doing, just floating around out okay. there. But uh, I got uh, great line mates. Uh, Ryan McCray, a guy I like playing with oh, when I go wow. out there. And, playing um, with Ryan, yeah. And uh, the new co-host of CFCW Mornings, uh, a couple doors down, Dan Davidson, yes. uh, good Alberta boy, uh, country music, he music was superstar here in Canada. He, was, he played, I think they said, a couple years ago, but this yeah. was his first game this season for sure, back in the mix. Um, and yeah, so he was uh, he was the other winger on our line, and we mm-hmm. had a, if you're if you're diving into our analytics, our Corsi and stuff, we were <laughs> far and away. AJ Keller's line caved in analytically. They had one shift, they went dash three, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> AJ's had a rough year. It was he, a rough year he, for he, he got a couple goals last night to, uh, to get off the schneid a bit as well. But uh, so that beer, uh, tro- as you call them, Kevin, Tropicana Orangeman game tonight, late one. Tomorrow, our yeah. big watch party is Century, Par- uh, yeah. Century, Century Sports, Sports Bar and yeah. Casino. And then on Sunday, Senior Outlaws home playoff game. Game you're number done. two oh, of the best Duke, of three. But th- thankfully, the Sunday afternoon game, 2.15 p.m. from the Agriplex. So I still have the chance to sleep in a bit, recover from Saturday night, jet down the highway, and get back into yeah. the city in time for a full night's rest before uh, we're back uh, back on the horse Monday morning. You're done. We'll see you Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still got a little pep in my step. I'm, uh, I haven't crawled over the 30 mark yet. So, Duke, uh, your insides and outsides will be screaming. I got one good year left in me. We've got uh, some uh, requests coming in. Wade from Drayton Valley. Big League by Tom Cochran. Jurassic Bark wants bright blue sky. Uh, and we'll get to more of your requests as the night as the morning goes on. When we come back, Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic. We're going to talk a little NFL with Eddie here because well, it's still a ways away the NFL draft, but there's only about 87 million mock drafts going on right now. Mark Spector at eight o'clock. We'll have David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada at nine twenty. Joe O'Donnell, Minnesota Wild play-by-play man at ten o'clock, and then Ted Appleman. We'll check in. He's Team Sturmey's coach at the Scotties. Team Sturmey, Selena Sturmey takes on Jennifer Jones in the playoffs today. Coming up right after the break, it's Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. Kevin Carius, Eddie Steele, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com. Dot com as we welcome in Nick Baumgartner from the Athletic. Uh, Nick, you're with Kevin Carius and former Great Cup champion Eddie Steele. Welcome to Sports 1440. What's up, fellas? How are we doing? Doing great. We're excited to talk a little NFL with, uh, you know, uh, mock drafts coming out of the yin-yang with the draft in, uh, still several <laughs> weeks away. But I would, I just, oh, question, yeah. how, how many mock drafts do you think you'll do in the next couple of months? Well, honestly, like I think for what we do here is, you know, you, you try to keep those, I feel like, to 
uh, a handful, like maybe less than a handful, because, you know, I feel like the more you do of those, the less credible they sort of become. And honestly, at this point, you know, once the combine finishes up, um, you know, there probably won't be a ton of movement in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the boards here. You know what I mean? Like it'll be, you know, and, and really at this point, you know, I mean, I have a pretty good idea of what I would call a top 100 on, on my list and then that'll probably change some, but you know, I mean, it doesn't really shift a whole lot, um, after the combine. So maybe one more, one more big one. Um, and then that would probably be it, hmm. I think for me and, uh, we'll see how it goes. Are you finding Nick, there's less and less movement after the combine than there was maybe several years ago? Yes, I think so, because I think that, you know, the the situation has become more advanced, I think, in general. You know, the the All-Star Games, uh, both the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl, um, you know, are, have both done a terrific job in recent years and really for a long time. But I think in recent years, especially of really expanding their scouting departments and they push each other. Those bowls are almost competitive uh, in terms they are competitive, I should say, in terms of the compa- the talent they compete to find and, and the guys they can try to get in there to. So there's just there's just so much more exposure for these guys now uh, after college uh, in that period, you know, the winter months. Um, and, you know, usually what you have and, and there could be some movement, I suppose, after the combine. And I shouldn't say that there's there won't be any uh, because after the combine is when the coaches sort of start to have their input. But the GMs and the scouts and everybody will probably go into the combine with a pretty good idea of who they like. And then I think that, you know, that that has advanced in recent years, whereas you'll probably see some shift because coaches will have different opinions and they typically get late later to the film than the rest of us. Like a lot of them just wrapped up playing you know, a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, that's something that they're a little later to the game with and they wait till after the combine. But for the most part, you know, I think that you have a pretty good idea of what your top 50, top 100 is going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, Nick, as we head into the combine season, uh, do you have any diamonds in the rough uh, that you predict might pop at the combine? Maybe that's not a household name that we might be accustomed to? Oh, geez, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch. Um, I think that if you look at – there's a lot of receivers in this draft, and I think that you know, receiver and offensive tackle is the one that gets talked about a lot. But I think offensive tackle could be one where we see a bunch of different guys – um, really do some crazy things. Amarius Mims is a guy from Georgia who's really not played much. Uh, he's a junior. I believe he's 21. He might be 22, but I'm not sure if he's 22. He might. Be, I think he's still 21. He's six seven, just huge, long arms, and he runs like a tight end, you know, 300-plus. I think he's like 330, 340. Um, just a freakish, freakish guy. Uh, there will be guys like that that, you know, show up. And, you know, Chris Jenkins, a kid from Michigan, is a defensive tackle who is – his dad played in the NFL, his uncle played in the NFL, and he can do some pretty crazy things at about 290, 295. There's some guys like that that'll um, probably, you know, improve their stock in the eyes of some, but I think that most of that's the one difference, though. I think most of the league is aware and expects uh, a lot of that, you know, from guys. Like you go in, when you look at a guy like Chris Jenkins and you watch him play enough, you say, okay, there's a lot of explosion here. We've heard what the strength staff says there. So we expect them to do this now, right? And I think that that's what the combine has become. It's become almost like a not a fact-finding mission as much as a let's confirm what we've already found or deny what we've already found based on what we see here. Right. We are elevating our game for Ram Elevators and Lifts with Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic talking the uh, combine and the upcoming NFL draft, mock drafts. Etc. Would you say, Nick, that the number one storyline in this draft is quarterbacks and where they fall, uh, with the exception, mm-hmm. of course, of Caleb Williams? Absolutely. You know, I think that the whole, even Caleb, you know, I think that he's probably the odds-on favorite to be the top pick. But, I mean, you know, Drake May is still 
uh, a very capable player, and I, I wouldn't shock me if there's a scout or two or a GM or two out there that decides they like him a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the real thing this year is you have a situation, unlike in, in previous years, especially the last like handful, where you know you have four guys who are first-round worthy quarterbacks, and probably eight or nine who are guys that we would say you you would take on day one or day two, which is much higher than it's than it normally is. It's higher than it will be next year. And we'll see about the year after that. But I think that, you know, there's so many quarterback needy teams who've been sort of waiting, you know, maybe for a year like this or some of the matriculation from, you know, Justin Fields, let's say a guy's off their rookie deal. So many quarterback teams have been just sort of waiting and kicking the can um, before they take a guy or, or make, you know, make a decision on someone. And this is the year that if you're going to do it via the draft, that you sort of have to do it. So, you know, you look at a guy like Michigan's J.J. Uh, McCarthy, you know, he is probably a top 30 player in this draft in terms of talent, but he will go uh, top 15, mm-hmm. absolutely, maybe top 10 because of the need and everything else. And that's that's the type of situation we're talking about here. In previous years, you know, with a guy like Desmond Ritter a couple of years ago, he was never going to be above, like, top 75 on any top 100 list. So it was just going to be harder to make the case for, hey, can we take him at 12? You know, he's pretty close. You know, and that's the deal with McCarthy and maybe Bo Nix. So I think that it's a little bit different this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the name J.J. McCarthy. Can you just uh, dive into him just a bit more? Because, you know, statistically his stats weren't off of the charts or anything. Obviously mm-hmm. we see him on the big stage, great athleticism. I never viewed him as, uh, you know, one of the, the best quarterbacks in this draft, but all of a sudden he shot up the boards. So what is it with J.J. and uh, in his game? Just talk on him a bit. Yeah, really what the thing is with him is it's it's hard. You have to really watch him extremely close and go through almost every throw he has because he played at a, he played at a school in an offense um, that really didn't throw the ball very much. It was a very careful you know, run game. You know, the run game was incredibly complicated and complex, and he was actually in charge of you know, a lot of checks and calls uh, with that sort of thing, too. But, you know, that was a team that, you know, Jim Harbaugh, we're going to run the ball. We're not going to throw it much. But, you know, there were always three or four, you know, plays a game, three or four attempts a game, I would say, where you'd see an NFL translatable throw uh, or an opportunity they'd give him. And he hit more of them than he missed. I mean, like, you know, you consider he's a 20-year-old player last year. I think he just turned 21. I think he has lost one game in his life dating back to high school as a starting quarterback, won a national title, is a big-time athlete, as you guys talked about, can do a lot of those you know, sort of shortstop throws that Mahomes has been made so famous uh, off-platform, across the body, is really good on the run. Um, and he's young, and you can mold him. And I think that that's the sort of thing you – know, he's got a lot of the intangibles guys like in terms of being a winner and a positive attitude guy – but he's also young, and he's a really good athlete, and he's a first-round athlete, and I think that that's the thing. You know, we've seen this in years past where you look at quarterbacks that, you know, the stats just aren't maybe what you think they are, but when you look at the context around them, and you're like, oh, okay, that makes more sense, right? It's like, okay, they, they didn't ask him to throw the ball 50 times because that's just not who they were. He could have if they wanted him to. It's just not who they were, and, and he never complained, and I think that's also a lot of teams see that as a – tip of the hat. I mean, he did navigate a pretty high-level offense and uh, more complicated than people probably realize. Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic, our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carey's Eddie Steele with you on a Friday morning, 7.30, coming up to 7.30 in Edmonton. Uh, what are your thoughts on Marvin Harrison Jr.? A lot of people think he's mm. kind of slotted at that number four spot for uh, where, where Arizona picks, but what's your, your kind of thought process uh, moving forward with, uh, I guess, the number one wide receiver in the draft? 
Yeah, I think Marvin could go third to the Patriots, okay. honestly. I think that, that you could see a team even maybe trade up or do something like that. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe he falls, right? Like you said, to Arizona. But, I mean, he's uh, – in terms of just pure player in this draft, you know, there will be some teams that might have him one overall. Hmm. Um, you know, he is a – just almost, almost a flawless college prospect. There just wasn't much that you'd really have to split hairs to find things that he didn't do well you know, as a receiver, really from out of the box, like right away as a freshman. Uh, he's one of the rare guys that probably didn't need three years of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he certainly didn't need last year. You, know, you talk about body control, speed, burst, agility. He's got literally all that stuff. He's got the size, ball skills, and he's just one of these guys who sort of floats. You know what I mean? He's a powerful uh, – everything he does is with power and speed, but it, when you watch him – uh, he looks like he's just sort of coasting and floating, like uh, like it's effortless. And you know, the best comparison that I think you can make is is his dad. I yeah. mean, that he plays a lot like his dad did. And obviously, Marvin Harrison, senior, is a Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. Just 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 a, uh, a a model of consistency. And I think that's what Marvin Jr. in time uh, could be for a team, a, a guy that could walk in and have an impact right away. Your quarterback doesn't even have to be great. You know, he played with a pretty bad quarterback last year in terms of accuracy and everything else and was very good. So I think that's the type of stuff you look for, uh, a guy that can do it all, and I think he's definitely that. Nick, I was checking you out on uh, Twitter or X, and uh, you're a Michigan man through and through, I can tell. Uh, now that the dust has settled uh, just around the Detroit Lions and the playoff success that they've had this year, but then yeah. some of the decision-making of Dan Campbell, what uh, what's the vibe like around the organization now that things have kind of cooled off after uh, the playoff loss? Yeah, still very positive. I think frustrated, obviously, when you get that far and lose. I don't. I, I think the weird part is here locally, and I told people all year. Um, you know, I write still about them and have a podcast uh, on the Lions here locally, and I told them all year. I said I don't. I think they're good enough to make the playoffs and win a playoff game. I don't think. I think that's where it'll stop. I, I think they jumped the line a little bit and got further ahead of where people maybe thought they would go. So that loss in the championship game stung bad especially when you get up like that and you're a half away from the Super Bowl and you don't know you know if you can get back but I think like you said when, when everything settles down even on the calls the frustration about the calls to me that's Dan Campbell being himself and I think he would do that again 10 times out of 10 that, and maybe there was a couple in there that he wouldn't early on in that whole sequence but for the most part they're an aggressive team that's how they play and I think they're still excited about the future and where they where they're going I mean they've they've still got I think four picks in the top 100 here They've got a little bit more money to spend. Mm-hmm. And most important, um, a lot of the guys they've drafted in the last two or three years are going to be extension guys that they're going to be able to extend and keep for a while. They're, they're worthy That's of big. it. You know, Sewell, Hutchinson, St. Brown. I mean, they're, they've built their team through the draft, uh, and I think they're they're built to last a little bit. And um, they'll be salty, too, you know. I mean, they're, they're not happy about how that ended. So mm-hmm. that'll be good for them, too, to have a little salt in their diet. Yeah, Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic, our guest on The Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele. Uh, Nick, uh, Eddie was a D lineman when he played in the CFL here. Who would you, yeah, say, yeah. Who would you say your top um, linemen going into the draft are? Uh, uh, Dallas Turner out of Alabama is one of the top guys. Uh, uh, the guy yeah. out of uh, uh, UCLA, Layatu Latu is pretty solid. Who, who are some of the guys uh, kind of striking your fancy there? Yeah, this isn't a this isn't a great year for the edge guys. You know, you mentioned the two guys at the top there. Jared Verse would be another one. I like Darius Robinson, a uh, guy from Missouri who's a, a big six five, like two eighty. You could maybe play inside and outside. But a lot of the edge guys are are kind of either a little thin or maybe too projecty. And uh, for me, I like in some ways I like some of the interior guys a little bit more. Uh, Byron Murphy, a uh, guy from Texas. 
is about 6'1", 300, and is super explosive, just, I mean, off the ball and just thrashing people. He's got a lot of grip strength in there. The the interior pass rushers, you've got him, you've got Jerzon Newton uh, from Illinois, um, big Devondre Sweat, Chris Jenkins, who I mentioned. There's a couple guys in this draft who will go in the uh, in first round or in the second round who are, you know, really good athletes with a lot of explosion inside, and that's something that a lot of teams – um, really covet. It's not a great year for, you know, no doubt edges, you know, after you get past like Latu, who's, and, you know, Latu is a great example of it, right? He's a guy who has a lot of great pass rush moves. He's a really um, finely tuned player in terms of his technique and consistency. But, you know, he's a little small in terms of his length. Um, he's a little thin at the bottom. Um, he's not the fastest. You know, he's, he's limited in a lot of areas. And that's what you get with a lot of these edges where it's, you like a lot of it, but there's a few things in there where it's maybe not so much. I, th- I think there's a few more defensive tackles that actually maybe uh, teams might be a little more excited about. I love it. I was a D tackle, so I love hearing that, yeah. man. Every team needs a Chris Jones. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, right. Absolutely. Um, Nick, I just want to ask you, and I don't know if uh, – I just want to get your opinion if this may be a little bit out of your realm, but Caleb Williams um, not having an agent represent him. What's your thoughts on all that and the challenges that might pose? Yeah, I think that, you know, he's a guy that it's going to be very interesting because the NFL is not, you know, this is not um, a, the the slots of the salaries as a rookie. Uh, it's not really negotiable, right? I mean, a lot of this is just sort of what <laughs> is what it is. And I think, you know, there's signing bonus language and things like this you can, you can talk about and all that sort of stuff. Um, but... You know, like you said, I, I think at the end of the day, he's obviously for most teams going to be the, the number one quarterback. But if it becomes a problem where you're sitting there and if you're Chicago and you trade fields and you're saying, OK, we're going to take a new quarterback. And it's like, well, we don't know if we can get this guy signed or something. Then you have a Drake May. And I think that that's the thing that teams have looked at this whole time. Like, I, I don't know how big of a problem it will or won't be because these rookie deals sometimes a lot of times they take care of themselves. They're pretty they're pretty cut and dry. But beyond that, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. And, you know, I think that this this could be something where we see Caleb do this now. He's twenty twenty one, And then in two years, he'll have an agent. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of guys get out, of, get out of college and they're very confident about a lot of stuff. And then they get to the real <laughs> world and they see it's hard. And yeah. then things change. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, though. It's, it's not the first time we've seen the I'm going to represent myself. And then two years later, oh, you're not doing that anymore. Huh? No, yeah, I'm not. So yeah. that's how it goes sometimes. But we'll see. And, and they see how it worked out with Lamar Jackson, too. You know, so, I mean, that's yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, right. And it's like it's, it's hard, right? It's like if you have leverage. That's very valuable, and who's to yeah. say that you need somebody to negotiate that for you, right? Mm-hmm. So I get it, uh, but it's hard deal. Hey, Nick, thanks for your time this morning. We're looking forward to the uh, next couple of weeks with the combine and and the draft. And uh, hey, if you get a chance, check out Eddie Steele on uh, Twitter. He just sent a picture yesterday. He had the great cup at his place. He's got. If you want tickets, oh, wow. how about that? If you want tickets to the I gun will. show. Check out Eddie's pick with the, with the big right arm hanging out. And <laughs> so check it out. One guy, yeah. yeah before you go, before I go, guys, yeah. one guy not going to the combine, a snub, uh, Quantez Stickers, uh, oh. uh, CFL, yeah, from the Argonauts. Ooh. I saw him at the Shrine Bowl. Talked to him a little bit. He is a stud. I think yeah. he's going to be a draft pick. I heard he I was, had a good showing at the Shrine. Combine. I heard yes. he showed well. He was terrific. Okay. He was terrific at the Shrine. I think somebody's going to take him. He's a really good player. Good That's, kid too. What That's a really story! Good what yeah. a story! Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, Nick, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, We'll be keeping an eye on things. Take care, man. All right.
That's Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. Uh, Elevate Your Game, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. Trustram.com. You know when a guy knows his stuff and he's bringing up a guy from the Argonauts and just, you know. Like, like he's he knowledgeable. Doesn't, doesn't leave a stone unturned, right? Well, he was name dropping guys and he said he had his top 100 list and he's probably got all the his 100 names memorized, where they go to school. Like, oh, my brain hurts thinking about it. It's there's hard, so yeah. many college yeah. kids in the States. Well, it's funny, you know, you have experts like that, and then when we get to the NHL draft, it's the same thing with right. a lot of guys. Yes. That they, they can just no rattle different. them off, no different. you know. Yeah. But that's their their passion. Yeah. You, have to, you have to be passionate about it for sure. For sure. And it has to be, uh, you know, your your love, your job. So uh, text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Corey texted in and asked, what are the chances Marvin Harrison Jr. is not the first non-quarterback? Uh, off the board this year, and he probably will be the number Slim one. Slim yeah. to none. Yeah, he's exactly. he's a different type of talent. Like he's yeah. generational type for yeah, his so position. I think I worded my response to him wrong, but uh, he will be the number one guy off the board. That's yeah. a non-quarterback. Yeah, so. he will be. Uh, when we come back, we've got some open time with Eddie. We'll we'll talk a little. There's a few notes in the CFL to get to. Uh, a couple of signings, couple of things off the field, I guess you could say. And of course, we'll start delving into tonight's Oilers Minnesota Wild game at Rogers Place. It's Kevin Carey's Eddie Steele, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, Kevin Carey's, along with Eddie Steele. 740 break means one thing and one thing only. The Duke and B.A. Brian Adams. Keep in mind, Eddie Steele is brought to you by Bonton Bakery. Bonton Bakery has been an Edmonton fan favorite since it opened in 1956. Their slow and steady approach to uh, what they do in the back kitchen is so good when you go in there and have a good smell. It's a, it's a very solid tradition that they're proud of. It shows in their products. Uh, order online at Bonton We'll have to head in there, Eddie, on the way home. And yeah, I was thinking about it. Oh, man, Daddy's hand's been in the cookie jar the past <laughs> couple nights. So oh, feel, really? Yeah, I feel a little uh, shameful about myself, but I'm wow. still going to see Bonton. After, I mean, that picture, it looked like you had been working out for about eight days straight before the pick. <laughs> Come on, man. I only work out to offset the treats. Uh, I'm not going to let this go for the whole show. <laughs> it was eye-popping, eye-popping. <laughs> uh, Oilers in action tonight against Minnesota, the Wild come in here. Well, it's kind of a weird situation. The Canucks, ever since Minnesota and the Canucks played, it was, I think it was 5-2 Vancouver. Minnesota came back, wins 10-7. Yeah. And ever since then, the Canucks had kind of just, you know, that's it hurt them. It did. So Minnesota is a team that is just pushing for that wild card spot, 7-8 and eight in, the, in the conference. So, I mean... They have a lot of good players. They're hamstrung with the the cap because they have two guys, Parisi and Suter, that's still a couple more years left. Bill yeah. Garrett should get GM of the year for a lot of the stuff that he does. Big but, time. You know, um, you watched the Oilers and Bruins the other night and saw 11 goals. It was exciting for fans, for a fan to watch. It was late for you, I would imagine. You probably watched what? What did you watch, the first period? I watched, uh, the, I finished it in the morning, Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, you it know. was late. You, you, uh, you took off early or what? I leave after the second, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, that's late, man. Well, again, the f- winning goal was scored at 11.15. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, you kind of go through a few notes and mm-hmm. whatever, and then it's all of a sudden it's 
after midnight. And Easy. That's the way it is when you're covering those games. And I'm not like the guys that are there. Like Gregor's there in the room after. Totally. And, and guys like Specker in the Spec's room. Specs piece after. I read was published at like two twenty-seven in yeah. the morning. So those guys are working. Yeah. You know, by the time he files and then it, you know, gets vetted and you know the editor has a look at it to check for any couple of little mistakes and stuff like that. If yeah, there are not, not many on specs, though, you know, you know. Yeah, I, I, so, of course not. Um, <laughs> but again, Oilers come into this one. We've seen the second periods, and it's been a hot topic of conversation. What they've done in the second period, in the sense that they've been outscored seventeen seven by the opposition in the last eight games. So, as a player, did you ever have? Did you find that, like, say, maybe you guys came out in the third quarter over a stretch of games, and for some reason? The opposition you, th- had their way with you, and then was it reversed somehow? To be honest, I've never been a part of anything like that. Yeah. Um, either starting slow, because the Oilers have had this trouble in the past too. It wasn't this season, but in the past, I remember slow starts, right? Yeah. Easing into games, letting the other team set the tempo. And then once the game and they're in it, they're focused, they play a really good brand of hockey. But I've never been a part of, you know, coming out a halftime, slow start, um, I, yeah, I really don't know how to explain that. And that's the whole second period lull. Last Friday, I brought mm-hmm. it up to you boys. I brought it up to you and Gregor and then you and Speck. And uh, at that point in time, a week ago, it had been three straight games of a poor second periods. Mm-hmm. And now a week later, we're talking eight straight games of poor second periods. Yeah. And something needs to be fixed because they play good hockey first, third, but that's second. And it's getting to a point where it's the elephant in the room. We know what like that that's an issue so let's do something about it you knew it's an issue and then like brad marchand scores you know half a minute into the second period tough goal for Stuart skinner but then it just creeps into your mind creeps into your mind quick test we got got to get to here this is from uh brad coach brad is that who it is coach brad hey morning man can i get a shout out to the under 14 double a power ringette team as they take on the top teams in the province this weekend in Sherwood Park in Provincials. They're heading to the rink right now, and they're listening. So uh, Ooh, good luck to all, the, to all the gals. Under 14, double-A power ringette team. And so. shout-out to ringette. Ringette, ringette is um, a fantastic sport I've played and watched. Yeah. And, man, it's awesome. High oh. skill. High, high, high skill. Well, if they ever get back, uh, they used to have the U of A ringette team against the media, which was a fabulous game. They used to have it for charity because uh, the U of A team would raise money. It was right here in the mall. So we did it for years. Gregor kind of helped organize it uh-huh. uh, with Paul from U of A. And um, it was fun because the girls were so great on, yeah. on the U of A team. And like guys like Rob Brown would come out and have his, he would just dangle. It, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. hilarious. And uh, they wouldn't call any penalties. So... There was some hooking and you know, little, yeah, some little, filthy little, stuff, little, you know, some some carious and going stinky on. Stinky glove in the, oh, in the yeah. cage. No, going knowing on. you, man, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Filthy in the corner. Yeah. Uh, Doug texts in, "Hey, Kevin, Eddie, anything new with the Elks? So, with regards to any more signings, players from down south that they are earmarked to be on the opening day." roster or are the Elks just laying low? Your thoughts, Eddie? Uh, I think it's um, kind of just quiet on the Elks front right now. Chris Jones, I was doing a little reading. He recently had mentioned that they pretty much have done their work for free agency. They're not going to go and make any big splashes. 
Um, if someone is available uh, via trade or whatnot, I think they're going to always be all ears open. But in terms of the movement and the, the, the mm-hmm. acquisitioning, acquisitions of guys and stuff, I don't think that they're going to be uh, do, very active right now. Two days ago, the Elk signed wide receiver John Franklin III. So he played the last two years in the USFL with the old Memphis Showboats, one of the best names going, the Memphis uh, Showboats, and then he played in Tampa Bay with the Bandits. So uh, maybe a little pro too, experience okay, okay. here. That's yep. a good thing. Yep. That's a good thing. You don't need to be overly active, and I'm not here um, being an Elks defender, but uh, we've seen this team in the past couple of years be the most active team, make the biggest splash, pay the most money for the high-end free agent receiver, and that hasn't overly worked out to, to the best of their plans. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing that you have most most of your team under contract. There's going to be some good continuity heading into next year, and there's not going to be a ton of turnover on this roster, which is a good thing, and it's a constant complaint from CFL fans is the turnover. Before we have a quick note on what's going on in Toronto, uh, Hamilton Ticats re-sign Tim White. So he was kind of waiting. He waited to see if he could get the big box. Uh, yeah, he was pretty. Uh, he's staking his claim on three hundred k. So he he likely never got. I didn't. I don't. I, I think didn't he see the number for like two twelve. Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. So you know, which is great. It's good for him to see what's out there. And that's what free agency is all about. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I mean, a receiver, when you have a salary cap that is 5.5 million, which is not big, a receiver, one guy alone making $300,000, that's a huge Mm -hmm. chunk of your salary cap. And, uh, you know, not to diminish different positions and stuff, but that for a receiver who might see, you know, seven catches a game, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of money. Also, the bigger news, I guess, off the field yesterday in the CFL came from TSN's Rick Westhead, who has his pulse, uh, fingers on his pulse. Uh, a lot of all these uh, subjects for sure uh, regarding uh, Argos quarterback and uh, the reigning league MOP, Chad Kelly. He's being sued. Uh, and the Argos, Chad Kelly, by a former strength and conditioning coach, a female strength and conditioning coach for alleged wrongful dismissal and harassment. So, I mean, this is going to, this isn't, it's not a good situation. No, this is the biggest thing with this KK. It'll be very interesting to see how the league steps in and how this is going to play out because the league has been very strict with this policy uh, in terms of harassment and stuff in the past with other players, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of their discipline. So it'll be very interesting to see how the CFL handles this with the MOP and what they're hoping to be the up and coming face of the league. It'll be very interesting. And another piece to this, and I hate to drum up names and stuff, uh, but John Murphy, who's the assistant GM of the Argos, he's named in Rick Westhead's article, and uh, he had a role to play in this. He also had a role to play in the Argos a couple of years back when they had that brawl. He was one of the guys that was actually uh, punching a fan. He was caught on camera, and he was suspended for a year. He was out of the league for a couple of years, I believe. Now he's back with the club, and he's involved in this. It's just not a good luck. It's not a good luck so we'll see how it unfolds it will be very interesting and again when you're talking the MOP and as you say basically the face of the league signed the big deal three years Mm -hmm. what 1.8 mil total so uh, getting sued it's different it's not just the club no she's suing Chad personally and the club two different lawsuits so that man something went down for sure 
All right, uh, we'll keep uh, our eyes on that story. Top of the hour, we'll have Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet join us. Before that, it's time now for a Sports 1440 Update, brought to you by Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. Our hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed for you. Every Tuesday and Wednesday, every Tuesday and Wednesday, get a $30 haircut when you mention Sports 1440. Eddie, I don't know if that applies to you, but... no. Why? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Dookie shut me off. No, no. Uh, I bick razor. Yeah, no, just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, every Tuesday, Wednesday, get a $30 haircut when you mention Sports 1440. That's only at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.